Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. After two police killings, Black millennial organizers challenge the Chicago administration complicit in state violence against Black residents. Told through the lens of Janet and Bella, two fierce abolitionist leaders, unapologetic is a deep and insightful look into the movement for Black lives. From the police murder of Rakia Boyd to the election of Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. The film is called Unapologetic, and we're joined today by the director of the film, and that would be Ashley O'Shea. Ashley, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. This feels like a documentary film project that you've been working on for a while. I don't know how long, but it just had, there's a real arc to the stories of the people in it, to the stories surrounding Chicago and so much of the violence, police violence that we know about from the news. Tell me a little bit about how you got started on this. Yeah, so I began filming for Unapologetic in fall of 2015. Um, I had just moved into Chicago proper, and around the time, a lot of uh, young Black people were continuing to organize around the police murder of Rakia Boyd, as you mentioned. Her killer had kind of avoided any sort of accountability via the judicial system, and so young Black people were attending monthly Chicago police board hearings to ask that this police officer be fired from the force. Um, and to also uplift, you know, the names of young Black women that were being uh, killed by the police. And so um, as I was kind of just, you know, in, in the Chicago community, but also um, seeing a lot about these police board hearings online and in other spaces, I was really captivated or excited by the fact that not only were these really young Black people, but that a lot of the people that were being centered were young Black women and feminist voices that I could directly identify with. I hadn't really been exposed to a lot of that in my formal education. I approached Janae first um, because she was the leader in the in the Black Youth Project 100 chapter in Chicago. And um, shortly after I began following her, the tape of the killing of Laquan McDonald came out. And uh, if you were in the city at the time, you just knew that this was an important moment, or or maybe not, but I I, <laughs> I knew it. Yeah, shortly thereafter, I started to interview other Black women within the movement space, and I met Bella after a performance um, that that she had at the Chicago Police Headquarters, and the magic number was four and a half years. So, <laughs> yeah, that was the the that was about the time from the the first rolling of the film to us picture locking. So, so is we see this uh, street performance by Bella. Is that what you're talking about? Where you met her, or was that something else? Well, well, there's so many, but no, the one, the one yeah. in particular is um, after the, after the um, firing, or I guess the forced resignation of Chicago Police Superintendent uh, Gary McCarthy. A lot of the young black people had gathered in front of uh, the headquarters to celebrate. Um, it is in the film. It's, it's kind of like uh, it looks cold. It was cold. Yes. Um, and yeah, Bella was often at the time asked to um, activate the crowd and. You know, this was a, a good occasion to do that. So that was my first kind of interaction and first time seeing her. And, and we talked after that. And um, there was just so much more that I wanted to, to document. 
the, the film focuses on Bella and Janae. Well, there are two wonderful subjects to be focused on because they are dynamic, they're personable, they're they're just so engaging in, in terms of their personality. Mm-hmm. And you can tell by that by the people that they are engaged with through the course of the film that how much they are uh, able to connect with others. And, and it really makes for a, a wonderful dynamic and how they are parallel and they intersect in some ways in terms of just the work that they're doing. So it's, it yeah, it's a beautiful arc to the story. Congratulations on capturing that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, in a lot of ways, not only were they, we were all going through our early 20-somethings at the time. Um, and so aside from just documenting the work um, that was happening within the movement, it was also in a lot of ways, a coming of age story for all of us. And so, um, you know, I just, we really just kind of followed life's natural arcs that, that were happening over that time. Um, and I think just having the focus from a, a black woman's perspective, really, it, I hope that it makes people feel a familiarity and an enjoyment um, that we often don't see in the media. Well, and I want to underscore what you just said, because how important black women have become for so many reasons, but not the least of which, and if anybody doubts me saying that, the Senate race in Georgia, the election of of Joe Biden to be president, the police reform movements we're seeing around the country are all being spearheaded by Black women and the energy that they bring. And it's an incredible, it's really kind of a, um, and I may be wrong when I say this and correct me if I am, but it feels like kind of a seismic shift in the kind of the political power in this country in the sense that uh, I think and I and again, I'm going to say some things and correct me if, if you think I'm off base here. But uh, it just feels like there's the black women for the history of this country have been the safety net for black society and for and for and for and, and for society in general they have been caregivers they have been the ones who have been supportive of so many uh, breakdowns in our society and now we're beginning to see real political power coming from them so this film to me feels very prescient to the moment we're in now yeah for sure and i think um you know i, I don't think black women are becoming the leaders of the movement i think that they've always been the leaders of the movement and that's something that i myself had to unpack and unlearn um, as I was making the film. Women like Ella Baker, who were working, who was working side by side with Martin Luther King Jr. and was really one of the first, um, one of the first voices to encourage us to organize according to what the community needs and not what a great order or or a single male leader, what they think is best, but that we need to actually go into our communities and survey and understand what their needs are. So I think it's really just becoming more visible in this moment. But, you know, I grew up with black women my entire life, black women leaders, you know, in my, in my home, in my community, in my church. And so, like I said, that moment in 2015 um, was a, a realization for me only for the fact that I hadn't been exposed to it before, but I certainly have always been aware of, of black women doing work in my life, myself included. In terms of his people who have been historically important, in, in terms of civil rights or voting rights, I mean, obviously Harriet Tub- Tubman has to be near the top of the list, but you go to people like uh, Fannie Lou Hamer and Shirley Chisholm, and I'm going to sound foolish if I try to run down the whole entire list of the ones that 
But I mean, Rosa Parks, I mean, we could, you know, there, but, and you're absolutely right. Thank you for, for reframing that. It's not that they haven't been, it's, but I think there's a recognition um, in terms of the political class, in terms of how important the politics, the raw power dynamic that's involved with the, with the importance of black women that is, is new to the, to the discussion. In terms of, in terms of the Chicago movement as well, you know, outside of my own kind of shared identity with, with um, folks that I feature in the film, within the Chicago movement, there's always been a push, um, or, or at least since I started filming, um, to center the voices of marginalized identities, even within the Black community itself, whether it's women or queer folks or trans folks, um, because we've often historically kind of just centered the issues of Black men or, or, or more general Black issues. But that doesn't really achieve freedom for the entire Black community if we're just centering those perspectives. Right. Um, and so I think that's also what, what made that Chicago moment unique. They, these were young Black people that were resenting something really radical, but they were also living it out and not waiting for permission. Um, and so I think a lot of the, the shifts that we saw from 2015 on were because of that approach. I want to remind our listeners, we're, we're talking with uh, director Ashley O'Shea. She's the director of a documentary film called Unapologetic. And be looking for this. You can go to unapologeticfilm.com to find out more about the, the filmmakers, the subjects of the film, as well as where you can see it. And, uh, and also opportunities to connect with groups that are doing the hard work. Uh, and you can get to places like we're talking about the uh, the Black Youth Project 100, which uh, is an important part of the film. So this is I want to use that as an opportunity to kind of talk about the film in, in more detail in terms of the work that's being done. Bella is obviously and is a, a, a big part of that that group, that movement, and as well as uh, Janae, who is uh, in the midst of trying to become a Ph.D., and but and her and the subject of her PhD is much of what we're talking about in terms of the community issues that are addressed in the film and in their lives. Let's talk about the work. Let's talk about what's going on in the film in terms of the goals, what are the, the people involved and and their stories, I guess. Chicago is kind of the, the unofficial birthplace of community organizing, in my opinion. So if I sit here and try to name all the organizations, I definitely will forget some. And around the time frame that is documented in the film, certainly groups like Black Youth Project 100, the Let Us Breathe Collective, which is an artist activist collective that was born out of the, the, the Mike Brown uprising, also Asada's Daughters. Good Kids, Mad City, there's, there's, a, there's a lot. And I, something that I really love about Chicago organizing is the partnership and the community that has that is built amongst a lot of these organizations. I think there's a real understanding that none of this work exists um, by itself or exists without wider support. And so um, a lot of the campaigns that you're seeing in the film are backed by a number of organizations in particular, the Say Her Name campaign that, that we see um, at the forefront was not just Rakia Boyd. It was a, a lot of other Black women who had experienced police violence, like Sandra Bland and Tatiana Jefferson, in uplifting the police violence that was happening against Black women. And so I think Rakia Boyd was a really important piece of that narrative. And we began to see it on a more national scale after that, that campaign. What is it about the political dynamics in Chicago? that have 
brought us to this point where the I mean, we we can talk about police violence, systemic racism. Um, and I go back to something that well, I saw a documentary film a few years ago called called King King in the Desert. I can that's not the right title, but it was about his time organizing around the country uh, in the later part of his life. And I do remember him organizing a housing demonstration in Chicago. And I believe it was there that he said to someone later on, the only time he ever thought he was going to die in a demonstration was when he was in Chicago because of the real and the, the level of animus towards, towards the work he was doing towards him as well. What is it about the sort of the makeup of Chicago that is, that is so volatile when it comes to issues around racism? Is there a, is there an easy, this is probably a a doctoral dissertation, but I mean, is there, (laughs) but I mean, mean, is there something in, in your experience and in the work that you've been, you've been around um, this, what is it that makes it so intensely racist? Is it the, is it the economics? It's a lot. Yeah. It's it's a lot for sure. I think in, in, in my time and what I've seen, um, I've learned that everything is interconnected, even though this film is heavily focused on the police violence that is happening in Chicago. You know, the police are kind of hand in hand with with the local government. You know, 40 percent of the city's budget is allocated to the Chicago Police Department every year. They just approved not too long ago a ninety five million dollar Chicago Police Academy. But Rahm Emanuel, our previous mayor, shut down 50 schools in, in 2014, I believe. I think there's just so much that is systemically leaving a lot of Black communities under-resourced and underutilized. There just isn't enough resource that is going around. And I think that causes a lot of frustration on, on both sides. But, um, you know, I, we often hear in the media about, about Chicago's violence, about, about the gun violence problem and, and intracommunal violence that's happening in the Black community. But we aren't giving the context that there are no jobs in this community. There's there's people who have no access to food or water and aren't getting their basic needs met every day. I, what I what I love is that people, despite all of that, will continue to show up for the city and show up for community and, and, and to work to get those resources. But it sometimes feels like a snowball effect. Um, and I think that is just kind of the result of a long history of Chicago organizing. Because in Chicago, people organize for everything. It's, not even just police violence, like you said. This was this was um, around housing. You said I'm I'm not sure if I heard that right, but yeah, yeah. there's people yeah, organizing yeah. around housing, around education, um, and so that's something I love. But it it, it results in a lot of uh, discharged up energy, and um, I think that's just a result of years and years of frustration um, with how resources are allocated in the city. Yeah, thank you. That was yeah. a very difficult question, and I apologize. But oh, no worries. In the, in the sense, it just be, because we see it. In your film, I've seen it in so many films about about Chicago, and I, I always come back to a few things. Obviously, policing is a huge part of the of the equation when you're trying to you know break down these barriers regarding racism. But I also think yeah. it has a lot to do with the the banks and the real estate, the most powerful yeah. interests in the city, in my my opinion, are the ability of people who essentially have say over who lives where i mean what we're talking about is neighborhoods right well okay neighborhoods there's a reason why there are people 
you know, the percentage of people in a certain neighborhood is high because, you know, this just goes back. This is really what when, when you want to pull back the covers on systemic racism. To me, it's redlining. It's the banking system. It is. Those are the things that predetermine so much of our lives moving forward. The ability to accumulate wealth and pass it down from generation to generation. All of these things come down, in my opinion, if you really want to attack, I mean, there are many places to attack uh, institutional racism, but but real estate is the one, the most unregulated major part of our economy. And and I, I think that there's so much there to be to be reformed. So yeah. I'm just my one person's opinion on that. But uh, no, I totally and I'm I think in Chicago, especially one of considered one of the most segregated cities in the country, that's something that you feel very you feel it in real time. If you are going around the city and going in and out of different neighborhoods, you you can cross a street and feel a switch almost when you're moving from the north side to the south side of the city. And, and even the way it's laid out and what, what types of stores and, and shops and restaurants and buildings they have versus on the south side, how does that differ? And how does that, the overpopulation or the overconcentration of people in certain parts of the city, how does that contribute to violence? How does that contribute to lack of resources? It's, it's, it's definitely something I, I you can feel in Chicago. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was one of the, the main factors uh, in, in, in the systemic racism and, and uh, pressure that we're feeling. Well, the film again is called Unapologetic. And before I let you go, one last question. I assume that Bella and Janae have seen the film and the people, there's a lot of other people in the film as well. Have you had a screening for the prince? So I'll call them the principals who are in the film. We showed Janae and Bella the film before we, we even picture locked it, kind of as like an ethical practice and making sure that there was nothing that was grossly misrepresenting them or, or their, their journeys. So they saw, they saw it like back in 2019 when we were still finishing. And yeah, we've been lucky enough to participate in a number of fest- virtual festivals since last August. We're continuing to share with the community. I think this the theatrical run in Chicago, um, we have a number of of panels playing that are with a lot of people in the film or organizations featured in the film. So I'm excited for people to be able to share physical space because we really haven't been able to do that. So exciting time. Again, the, the film is called Unapologetic. You can go to unapologeticfilm.com to find out more. The film has screened at a number of film festivals uh, and won a number of awards uh, on top of everything else. Be looking for this besides directing them to the website, unapologeticfilm.com. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you would like us to essentially put out there? You can also follow us on social media at unapologetic doc. Right. And, um, but no, yeah, the website is probably is the best resource. Great. And it's got a Facebook uh, handle, yeah. Twitter, Instagram. I also have you, uh, your Twitter account up. On, it'll be up online as well. So we've got a number of ways for people to connect. Well, my congratulations to you, Ashley O'Shea. This is your feature documentary film debut and congratulations on a on a wonderful film. And so look forward to more from you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.